It seems to have been reserved to the people of this country by their conduct and example to decide the important questions whether societies of men are really capable or not of establishing good government from reflection and choice, or whether they are forever destined to depend for their political constitutions on accident and force. Uh, so that quote there was from Alexander Hamilton in the first Federalist Papers. And so for those of you that are that are hearing that, we're opening up that quote um, for this podcast because we want to talk about citizenship uh, today and the role of a citizen. And there are a few different documents that we have that we're going to kind of read through and go through and discuss as a, as a way for um, Quaid and I to kind of just discuss as to what we think about citizenship. And and so I thought we could we could start the conversation with maybe what our ideas of of citizenship are, um, and then just move into to some of the documents that we have, but. I've been thinking, you know, a lot of the discussions discussions that you and I have had, you know, for the audience. Um, I, I'm starting to view or have viewed for some time now the idea of being a citizen as as taking that title more seriously, thinking of it as like a rank, a rank that you hold, a title that you possess as an individual. Um, and rank is not necessarily the right word because that implies that you've earned it, that you've been given it by some type of action or or merit. And, and, and in the United States, that's not the case. I mean, if you're born in this country, you have the privilege of being a citizen. Or if you, you know, go through the process to become a naturalized citizen, I mean, you did earn that for sure. But the idea that, that you possess this title implies that there is some measure of conduct that you should have if you're going to hold on to being a citizen of this country and a, a mode of conduct that you, you should possess. And so that's kind of where I think I want to start um, or at least set the foundation for this conversation is there. Um, yeah, yeah. I think... Uh we've been thinking about how to say or you know what we wanted to say regarding this for a while now and i like i'm in the same boat like um somewhere along the line it kind of dawned on me that um voting or participation in politics in a democracy um is a is a burden and responsibility Mm. and to just say that openly and that tends to scare us i think as a people uh it tends to scare certain segments of the population like the younger generation who don't want to feel responsible who don't want to feel burdened they just want to live their lives right and so that's the dilemma that we're in but i think that we just want to be able to talk about critically is that the right way and how do we position what do we do what do we do here in terms of changing that perspective if there's a perspective that's hurting us which i think it is i think the perspective you know the alternative is that citizen is 
just a passive title or it's mm-hmm. a title that doesn't really carry anything other than the fact that you are it you and just it's a word. get to say that you're american exactly right it's just or something you're from that, the united states exactly yeah. right and you know is that mentality how has that mentality served us um, up until now, until uh, especially recently, right? Um, and the fact that, you know, one of, the, one of the things we want to talk about is that the idea of the citizen has changed over time. So how did we view citizen uh, in the 17 and 1800s mm. uh, versus what that thing is now? Mm. And I do think they're very different. And I think that um, that has had implications on the political landscape that we can see directly manifested in a negative way. Uh, so that's where I want to really emphasize this idea of citizen and see if we can kind of give it a more robust definition for people to grasp onto and take seriously mm-hmm. in and the same way that I've kind of taken it seriously in my own head. The idea, you brought up the idea that the, the word citizen or being a citizen is a, is a passive word now. And I think that that reflects, you know, some kind of societal failure there that we we view that word in a passive way. Um, whereas maybe it wasn't in the past, um, and we're going to kind of go into that. But, but what made what sparked my my mind when you said that was that you know the one of the dangers that we're going to talk about of individualism throughout this podcast, which is something that we talk about a lot in our podcast. Um, the, one of the dangers and uh, some of the research I've done of individualism is isolationism. So you isolate yourself from society. You take a passive role as a citizen and you don't participate in shaping it. There's this assumption that the people in power, you know, whether it's, you know, at the local state or federal level, that they're going to take care of those issues. Um, And that seems to be the prevalent idea now is that, okay, well, that's their job. You know, it's not my responsibility anymore to help shape society. And so, I think you know what we're going to end up arguing is that that that's not that's not the appropriate way to think. But there's there's two ideas these German words here um, that I've got that I wanted to to throw towards you about about um, related to, to to citizenship. And the first one is uh, Gemeinschaft, and I'm probably saying that wrong. But the definition of that is that the social relationship between individuals based on close personal family ties and community, which we can agree is a good thing, right? And then the the additional part of that is Gesellschaft, which is a social relations based on impersonal ties, such as you know, duty to a society or organization. So you know, I'd say that you have to figure out a way as a citizen to blend those two. You have a duty to your family, duty to society, both. I mean, those both exist, and you have to find a blend in that. Yeah, yeah. I think it... Uh, some of what you're saying goes back almost immediately to the the Alexander uh, Hamilton quote, and just that we're stuck. It, it's it's not a good thing to view the individual as the end all be all. It's an important component, um, but it's it's harmful to. I wish I had it. I do now wish I had that in front of me to. It seems to have been reserved to the people of this country by their conduct and example yes. to decide the important questions whether societies of men are capable or not 
of establishing good government from reflection and choice. And here's the important part that I was trying or to Or whether at. they are forever destined to depend their political depend. constitutions on accident and force. Accident, depend, accident, and force, right? These are, this is passive language, right? Depending on something else, right? Waiting for things to happen by accident or the force of other people, right? So this is very passive language. Yeah. Uh, and that is the mindset that I think, it, first of all, let's also just be open here and say that you know that I've been trapped in that mindset before mm-hmm. and seen me go through it, right? Um, and, and I understand part of it has to do with frustration, right? But not taking up responsibility is not the answer to that frustration. Not trying to do something to engage with and change the system is i mean i don't now that i think back on it it's just like i i like it was a it was a pure emotional response when Mm -hmm. i was just like i'm not i'm not going to do this political thing Mm -hmm. i'm not going to vote i'm not going to advocate on behalf of people because i'm frustrated and i don't feel like i have a lot of effect it's sorry go ahead not recognizing that that is actually the mentality that that causes that in the first place. Yeah. It's interesting historically that, you know, the idea of the new emerging democracies, you know, as, as they're, as they're being born coming to life, they're already aware of the fact that look, the, 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 the significant weakness in, can, in shaping a society this way is that people have to, they have to, um, be a part of this process. It can't be abdicated to someone else to do. You have to be a part of this or it will fail. And they knew that uh, from the beginning of it. They didn't have to see it like toyed with or played with. Yeah, they're like, this is not going to work if if people don't get involved in this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the when we're talking about... Um, the passivity of people i just i try to keep in mind who who are we thinking about or talking about specifically you know is i guess where my mind always goes um and we don't really ever know what's going on inside people's minds i can only speak as somebody who uh has been that person or know what it's like to be frustrated or know what it's like that like life is already serious enough i just want to make it all about fun Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i get and understand all of that right um but there comes a point it's like you put yourself in a bubble and you think you want to be in that bubble because it feels safe and you don't recognize that like you don't have to stay in that like not not like you don't have to stay in that bubble as in you can come out as in like you don't get to decide whether or not that bubble is maintained somebody else could come along and pop it and by then it could be a whole different game on the outside Mm -hmm. that you're not prepared for because you wanted to sit in a bubble right so there is like an urgency as well that I think people should feel about this stuff. And I think that goes into responsibility and, um, and being part of the collective, uh, which we'll also get into and talk about. I think that's just going to kind of be a main feature of the conversation we wanted to have here where mm-hmm. yes, the individual is important and people need to have fun and people need to be relaxed. Um, also society is important and we are part of a collective that if you ignore bad stuff is going to happen. Uh, and so we need to be able to look at both sides and ask how, okay, now where are we? How do we participate as citizens in a democracy? What does that mean for us and our actions? Yeah. I think is a good place to and try we'll, to head towards and get to. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. And we'll, I think we'll move now to 
um, getting into some of the, the material that we wanted to discuss here. And so we'll read a few passages. We'll break it down on what some of our thoughts are on that, some of the stuff we might agree with, some of it we might disagree with. Um, but primarily, the primary source that we're going to use is a speech from Teddy Roosevelt, which is sometimes called The Man in the Arena or Citizens of a Republic. Um, the speech was given at the Sorbonne in Paris, France, um, an institution that has existed since the 1200s. Um, I think it's important, just real quick, uh, Teddy Roosevelt may be well known about among some audiences or among some mm-hmm. people, but I think it might also help to talk about why you specifically chose Teddy Roosevelt as the example here. Yeah, um, and... So this speech was given in was given April twenty third, nineteen ten, one hundred and ten years ago. And I think a lot of the things that he still says about citizenship are as relevant as they are today. But the reason I wanted to use because I could have I could have found a, th- a thousand other sources on ideas about citizenship. But the reason I to- I chose Teddy Roosevelt is because I feel as if people on the left or right can hear what he has to say and take it seriously. Because there are things that I think if he were to say them, they would not be as inflammatory as if uh, if someone else said similar words or the same things. Um, and that is because uh, as an American, Teddy Roosevelt, um, not a perfect character. Okay, so I'm not saying he's the be all end all, but he he has demonstrated service to the country. Um, he's put his life on the line and he has been a committed, he was a committed servant throughout his life. Um, and, and, and just that to, gives his words merit. And, and I just, to, I hope I'm not too off here. I, I hope that yeah. I'm accurate in my assessment here, but did he, 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 he kind of started from humble beginnings. His family was wealthy. His family was wealthy. Okay, then. Uh, but it took. Out. He was. Uh, he was not a healthy person growing up. He had a I lot of. That's uh, what we were talking about. Personal difficulties that he had to override, overcome. Gotcha. Um, that could have held him back. It was kind of expected that he was probably going to like die at a young mm-hmm. age. That's important, I think. Um, and so maybe that gave him a little bit more vigor. And yeah, and so you can just to life. to highlight this just a little bit more. You can see a figure like Teddy Roosevelt and say and kind of put yourself in a position where something very bad has happened to me, and that almost that almost makes me want to absorb all of myself in the individual because I feel in such a bad spot. I, I feel so. Uh, messed up by reality that I really don't feel like I can focus on anything else. Right. But he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He, and he could have, it may, it would, it would make sense to a million people. Even today, if you had somebody that you knew was going to be on a health decline for the rest of their life, people do tend to just like, okay, well I'm gonna sit back and chill. And, yeah. and, and that's not too, you know, it's, it's really hard to do anything more than that. I understand. And especially as somebody who's not in that circumstance, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying this is a character who could have done that, who could have taken a more passive role that decided not to, I guess was the only thing I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'll read. So just, just for the audience's sake, we're pulling out certain things. I'm not going to read this entire speech. That would take forever. He was, if Teddy Roosevelt was anything, he was a long-winded person, and he always had a lot to say. So we're cutting out a lot here. And there's there are things in this speech 
that I cut out that people would be like, whoa, 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 you left out this part. Mm. And I definitely don't agree with that. So, uh, but look, look up the speech. I, f- I find it in large, very powerful, very important um, uh, words from an American president. Um, and so uh, we're going to go. Just to just to yeah. speak to that that perspective really yeah. quick that you were just mentioning, I do want to uh, emphasize here as kind of like a uh, uh, anticipating rebuttal is we're not highlighting these things because we're trying to de-emphasize other things he said. We're Correct. highlighting these things because we feel like they're being de-emphasized in today's culture. Yeah, that's why we're bringing them up. So we're not mm-hmm. trying to ignore anything. We're just trying to make sure nothing gets ignored, which mm-hmm. is different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'll open it up with, with this passage here and we'll just see where it goes from there. Um, but with you and us, the case is different with you here and with us in my own home in the long run, success or failure will be conditioned upon the way in which the average man, the average woman does his or her, her duty First in the ordinary everyday affairs of life and next in those occasional cries which call for heroic virtues. The average citizen must be a good citizen if our republic is to succeed. The stream will not permanently rise higher than the main source and the main source of national power and national greatness is found in the average citizenship of the nation. Therefore, it behooves us to do our best to see that the standard of the average citizen is kept high and the average cannot be kept high unless the standard of the leader is very much higher. Mm. We'll start with that. I mean, yeah. right there. I mean, so yeah, yeah. Thoughts on that. Um, the, I mean, already I think he is mirroring a lot of just what we've been saying. And I, mm. the, I like the, like, I like the language that's being used when we're talking about standards, right. And we're talking about citizenry and putting the citizen, at a higher place, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, I think something else too, we're, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to speak to the fears and the apathy that a lot of people have. And we're going to have to say like, well, what do we say to them? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is, yes, you're taking on a responsibility. You're taking on a burden in some ways, but what do you get in return? Well, as, as he just pointed out, honor, you get other things, Right. I don't know if he said specifically honor, but he's talking about these things that not only are your responsibility, but it puts you at a status that is higher than the one you're at. You know, and I think that's important to emphasize, too, is just like nobody wants to nobody wants to till a land if they feel like it's it would never produce crops mm-hmm. if they're not mm-hmm. going to get anything back from it. Right. If they're if it's just going to be labor. So what I just have to do this thing and it's labor and then. Like, no, there's, it's, I think he mentions bravery mm-hmm. or he's mentioning these very specific words that I think we all want to be and that we're not quite sure how to do those things. Yeah. Um, he's and, saying, sorry, go ahead. That was it. Uh, he's saying, you know, where does national greatness reside? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the average citizen and their conduct. Yes. And what they do. And so, well, as I read this, I was thinking of, um, you know, kind of Trump's trademark, make America great again. I think the implication is that he would be the one to make America great again, whereas it should be the reverse, is that you, you as an American citizen, you make America great again, not him. Right. It's your job to do that. And by the end of this, I think we're going to end up having a pitch that, hey, a simple way to 
to higher your status as a citizen or to change that that label in your mind in a positive way is to just go vote mm-hmm. right that might be uh, where we end up here so i don't want to get too political on that because i just think people should go vote and we'll leave it at that but i do want to just take a second i know we do this all the time but to just think about and it's voting season so for who cares think about how trump portrays himself mm-hmm. as who he is and really what's being asked as we continue to read some of these uh figures mm-hmm. and how that contrasts with what trump usually says mm-hmm. you know because trump has openly said you know only i can do it only i can fix it right i am the chosen one right and i think these figures would probably disagree with him and i think that's important mm-hmm. yeah and and you know, he says here that you know, it would behoove us to see that the standard of the average citizen is kept high. So when we th- when the we see things like uh, public schools that are failing to meet, you know, certain marks in terms of education, that's a problem because the those people are going to grow up and and be part of our society, and they're not given. They're not given the opportunity to be as uh, successful as they could or be uh, be the best contributors that they could be because of the education that they're not receiving. And it's not only a problem, what we're trying to get people in the mindset of as well is that it's our problem, yeah. right? So Because it's really easy to just turn A into that thing over there rather than, mm-hmm. oh, wait, it's my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a different different mentality. Okay, I'm just going to go on to the next passage here, read a couple. Um, we'll see what happens. It is it is well if a large proportion of the leaders in any republic, in any democracy, are, as a matter of course, drawn from the classes represented in this audience today. And so he's uh, addressing students, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. This was a, a, a university at the time. Uh, but only provided that those classes possess the gifts of sympathy with plain people and of devotion to great ideas. So if a leader is not empathetic to the people that they are leading, if they don't understand their plights, their issues, their needs, their desires, how can they be a leader? And so in a democracy, these people, these are qualities that a leader should possess and that these are qualities that you should be looking for to someone to represent you that you're going to elect, that you're going to choose. Yeah. Self-restraint self-mastery, common sense, the power of accepting individual responsibility, and yet of acting in conjunction with others, courage and resolution, these are the qualities which mark a masterful people. And he's like referring to Americans as like a race kind of. Yes. Like not not and races and like black or white, but your, as your a people. I- national identity. We are people, yeah. Um, without them, no people can control itself or save itself from being controlled from the outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of great stuff in this, by the way. He, he's he's, he's going to mirror some, or he's going to kind of reiterate some of what he's saying, but he's like, <sighs> never mind, we just need to read it. We'll, we'll get to okay, it. I just want to make sure that we're emphasizing it when we get to it. Yeah. You want me to continue? Um, yeah, I think we should. Okay, so I think this next part in some... Some form will reflect what I talked about with, um, you know, the the Gemeinschaft, the social relationship between individuals and the close personal ties with their families in terms of citizenship. So let's see if that relates or not. But 
The man's foremost duty is owed to himself and his family, and he can do this duty only by earning money, by providing what is essential to material well-being. It is only after this that has been done that he can hope to build a higher superstructure on the solid material foundation. It is only after this has been done that he can help in his movements for the general well-being. He must pull his own weight first, and only after this can his surplus strength be of use to the general public. It is not good to excite that bitter laughter which expresses contempt, and contempt is what we feel for those being whose enthusiasm to benefit mankind is such that he is a burden to those nearest him who wish to do great things for humanity in the abstract, but who cannot keep his wife or family in comfort or educate his children. Mm. Um, so when I read that, that particularly the part about... Um, talking wishing to do great things for humanity in the abstract it made me think about people who do podcasting and <laughs> fair enough and talk about obviously um the 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 stuff that we're talking about right now it's like so what we're doing here is is a small piece but if there's not um outside action in the world in terms of us participating in government and society because I, I should be more precise and, and this when, is when i say that what's that if we're not doing those things outside, then what we're doing yeah, here is garbage. Yes. Uh, yeah, and and I should be more precise. When, I, when I'm talking about participating in society, I'm, I'm actually also being very, very specific about participating in the processes of government and how our government functions. So for us, that should be things like um, going to, you know, town hall meetings. Um, and if there's something that we need to say um, in, in some of these, the, uh, you know, city council meetings that we should we should be speaking. We should be aware of the issues. And if we have informed opinions or ideas about solutions to local issues where, where we have greater influence, we should be participating in that process. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to speak really quick to, uh, he, he, he says something that, and, uh, just to kind of, again, set up the conversation here, we're not going to, by the end, advocate on, uh, for any, um, uh, one, political philosophy you'll find so please just you know don't shut it off the second i i use a word that scares you i guess would be my these point. are values that should exist no on both the left and well, right right absolutely yeah. absolutely and one of the things he says um again keeping in mind i'm not advocating for the fullness of anything but uh when he says that um essentially a person a person has to get their own stuff together before mm. they can start to really really affect mm. the things around them right and this does go to marx's idea of um to or from each according to their ability to each according to their need to i'm just saying it it evokes that same mentality mm. right not exactly i don't think um but it is something that you could latch on to in terms of memory that he is he is speaking to the fact that um in order for a people to be great Right. Like that's the idea. We're not talking about the average run of the mill people. And, and, and maybe that's what you want. OK, but I, I promise you it's not going to last very long, like because nobody's maintaining the system at that point. Somebody has to do it, you know. Um, but the idea is that we have to be the type of person that mm -hmm. once we have what we need, because we have the ability to give ourselves what we need, we need to immediately start asking the question, okay, now how do we get other people what they need? Mm -hmm. If your question passed your own, okay, I have what I need and, and even what I want to some degree at this point, if you don't start questioning, if you don't ask that other 
question right after, uh, which is, okay, now how do I get other people what they mm-hmm. need? You are on a road to destruction that you cannot see because that stuff builds up. Right. <laughs> it does. And and I'm glad you, you brought up Marx. I know you have an interest in in rhetoric and persuasion. Yeah. Um, and the reason that we're reading words from, from Teddy Roosevelt is because let's say that it's true that his, his that Marx had the same sentiment as him as in I terms of like, did, but, but, but the essence of that particular yeah. thing, like keeping your own house in order and with the, and participate in ways that you have your own ability. The reason that we're reading words from Teddy Roosevelt and mm-hmm. not Marx is because his words have played out in very destructive ways. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas Teddy Roosevelt is someone who's familiar with American society. He grew up in American culture and, um, I'm I'm going to listen to him more than I'm going to pay attention to Marx and that's why I'm using his words and not Marx's words. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so that's a rhetorical on our part. Um I might end up if if I were to think about what Marx said critically um and and reconstruct it in some way that I feel is more accurate it would probably be something like uh to each according to their ability or from each according to their ability in so far as it doesn't uh dampen their well-being or mm-hmm. hinder their well-being cuz <laughs> if you do that okay and this is i think the issue we'll end up talking about this where we want to have a fair conversation about these terms communism capitalism and socialism eventually um but if you get to a point where you take from somebody that has the ability to support from themselves to the point where they they're not in a state of well-being anymore they won't produce as well mm-hmm. and then they really so you really do have to it's not it can't just be uh, i'm going to take as much as 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 i think is appropriate like we have to consider people's well-being and i think that's where roosevelt is more speaking that way so i i wouldn't say that i disagree with marx i wouldn't say that marx isn't you know smart or articulate or any of those things i would just say that um in that passage i think there's a fuller context that needed to be considered that he just didn't put in there Mm -hmm. so yeah back to his speech indeed it is a sign of marked political weakness in any commonwealth if the people tend to be carried away by mere oratory if they tend to value words in and for themselves as divorced from the deeds for which they are supposed to stand, the phrase maker, the phrase monger, the ready talker, however great his power, whose speech does not make for courage, sobriety, and right understanding, is simply a noxious element in the body politic. And it speaks ill for the public if he has influence over them to admire the gift of oratory without regard to the moral quality behind the gift is to do wrong to the republic. In short, the good citizen in a republic must realize that the ought to possess two sets of qualities and that neither avails without the other. He must have those qualities which make for efficiency and that he must have those qualities which direct the efficiency into channels for the public good. I don't know. Does that passage make you think of anybody? Um, I don't know if we have the same person in our head, but absolutely it does. Um, And uh, I think maybe we do. Yeah. Uh, So that would be one thing. The other thing that I wanted to, is that they ought to have to, what was it? They ought to have to, um, uh, 
was it? They ought to have possessed two sets of qualities. They ought to have possessed two sets of qualities, right? Neither avails without the other. He must have those qualities which make for efficiency, and that he also must have those qualities which direct the efficiency into channels for the public good. Yeah, and so again, we're on that two sides of a coin here where we have the individual that needs to act efficiently, but they need to do it in such a way that it is in collaboration with the collective. Mm -hmm. And you cannot divorce those two things. That sentence, he must have those qualities which make for efficiency, but it must be for the public good. So when I see that first part, he must have those qualities which make for efficiency. When people are looking at candidates, they'll look at businessmen and say, oh, that guy knows how to run a business. Mm. So he must must be good for running the government. He can handle budgets well. He knows how to make money. Sure, he might know how to make money. He might know how to budget well. He might know how to get things done fast. But is it for the good of other people or is it just for him and his business? Yeah, and a certain subset of people. Yeah, you have to ask those secondary questions and get to the heart of the matter. And this is like... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, send me one. Well, there. I mean, it's just, and I, and I, I don't want to get too uh, naggy here, so I'll, I will try to temper this, but um, it might also help to try to start to think of, and I think we can uh, bring in some secondary research from uh, somebody else who, who helped out with the show, but um, we won't mention or anything. Just that we have seen these mentalities play out historically, and we do know how they end. So this isn't just like. Uh, oh, well, you know, you could pay attention or not pay attention. If you don't pay attention, maybe bad things will happen. Historically, things go wrong when we don't pay attention to these things. Mm-hmm. And 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 I don't want this to transition. I don't want this to, to, to get too far from the central conversation we've been having. But uh, if, you're, if you do happen to be listening to this, I'm sure right now, this moment, you can look at things happening in our government and see that exact thing. Mm-hmm. See where, where our lack of attributes uh, that... These uh, these words are pointing out has gotten us in trouble, and it's and it's clear manifested in society right now as of recently. To admire the gift of oratory without regard to the moral quality behind the gifts is to do wrong to the republic. It's a great line. You have to pay attention to what your the sentiment behind what your your leaders are saying. It's like so. They might be saying all the right words that inspire you. Um, and, uh, yeah, they might be the right words, but what is the sentiment behind that? You know, again, I'll go back to that phrase, make America great great, great again. Should, should you great do line. that? Should, yeah, you should. Do, you, yeah. you should make America great. Yeah. We should always strive towards that. But who is saying it? Yep. You know, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about Trump. It could be anybody that would that could utter that phrase and be like, well, what does that mean to he you? He also wasn't what the, the first person. Like, we, like I've heard uh, variations of that saying for the past 20 to 30 years. He's just the first person I've noticed to pick mm-hmm. it up mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. platform and use it to get the White House. I, I've heard the average American say that, you know. We, we need this place to be what it was before. There's this idea of the old. And he just picked up on it, you know. Um but in the context here, though, is just like how um, does Trump have any experience with like um, negative things happening to him, like like serious negative things happening to him because of the state of this country? He doesn't mm. not not from anything I've seen. Maybe somebody out there can shoot us some information where like he was really messed up by something. But it seems like he's mostly just been in an advantageous position position and using politics to 
help himself. So that, to me, is the context there. Returning to the speech. But if a man's efficiency is not guided and regulated by a moral sense, then the more efficient he is, the worse he is, the more dangerous to the body politic. Courage, intellect, all the masterful qualities serve but to make a man more evil if they are merely used for that man's own advancement with brutal indifferences to the rights of others. And so I, th- I think uh, Mr. Roosevelt here is making like a deontological approach to leadership. You, there's these intrinsic values that you must possess first before you can be a leader, um, and those will help guide you to make the proper decisions. Um, but he's saying like the, the dangerous thing here is like getting someone who, who is very effective, very efficient, but doesn't have a sense of morality. Mm. That's uh, a bad combination yes. because then they're yeah. really good at getting certain things, but they're not good at using that toward any humanistic goal, mm-hmm. right? That's the issue, right? So they're, and if it's not humanistic, what is it? It's not humanistic, right? So that that is a bad state of affairs if mm-hmm. we allow people like that to, to have power. Mm-hmm. And it's your job uh, going back, because we're, we're always going to turn this back to you as a citizen. Absolutely. It is your job as a citizen to make judgment calls on who you allow to represent you and represent our government and shape our society. I mean, some some of our some of our forms of government are, are more direct approach to democracy, whereas like we'll vote, uh, we'll do direct votes to approve certain local, you know, uh, issues on a ballot. But sometimes we have to vote for someone to uh, elect and make those decisions on our behalf. And you have to you have to do the best that you can to use your judgment um, to to put the right people in power. I mean, that's part of your job as a citizen. And you should view it as a job, I think, a responsibility. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're getting at. Um, and, if you, and if you, you know, take the time right now as if you, if you don't feel that burden, ask your, I'm not saying for sure doubt yourself or whatever, but I am saying just think about it. Mm-hmm. If you are the type of person that like right now you're like, oh, I, I don't really feel a sense of burden or responsibility, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm... I don't think this stuff is that serious. I'm just saying be critical of it. I'm not saying just accept what we're saying, but sit down and take some time to think about whether or not that's the right thing and take time to think about how that how that could play out in the real world. Yeah. And if you can, think of an analogy to bring it a little bit closer to home. Like what yes. happens if you don't take your responsibilities as a father seriously? Or you can you like you know what happens. It's bad stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like that's just the, the bottom line. And to you, it. and you do the same thing with government. I mean, because it can be overwhelming to think, well, I'm going to get involved with federal politics. I mean, it is really hard to change things at the federal level or state level, even. Um, your and we've talked about this a hundred times on the podcast. Your influence resides most at the local level. So you, 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 you as an individual probably can't change the country yet. Maybe you'll rise to that occasion, um, but you can influence things at the local level. Local leaders are often very responsive uh, to some extent. Uh, that's where you can make those changes. And so it's just like getting your house in order in terms of your actual house and your family inside that. Um, you, you do the same at the local level. And if, if everyone's doing that, then all the little, you know, towns across the country are improving, hopefully. 
uh, if everyone's carrying that burden, right? Yeah. You can't put the whole burden on yourself. So start where you can affect some change, whether how, no matter how small it is. Yeah. Things have a corollary effect. You know, that's, that's the idea. And, and this is what I've tried to stress. We're getting, it's, it's like li- the think global act local type. Thing. Yes, exactly. And, and, and it's, this is a little preemptive. Uh, no. Roosevelt is yeah. about to, I feel like transition into a new concept for people, yeah. especially in today's politics. Um, but it is the idea that we have an effect. We have you, you do, you want people in this nation to be doing well. And if you don't, you just have not thought about it long enough, Mm -hmm. period. You know, so when we're talking about welfare programs, right, if that idea completely puts you off, you have not thought I I, like I I will have a one on one conversation with anybody about this. But just right now, the fact that this has to be a one sided conversation, I would just urge you to consider that you haven't thought about it enough because. It would be like saying, I don't care if my neighbors are doing well as long as I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. They're your neighbors. Like, if you don't think they have any impact on you, like, you, you, you don't want mean neighbors that are hostile to you. That's not going to work out for you. I don't care how much money you think you have if they hate you enough, right? right. Because they're not taking care of it as well and they can see that you don't care about them, then obviously they're not going to care about you. It's, it's just not in your it's not in your benefit. It's a, it's a, it's a, well, t- maybe we'll talk to it later, but I think it's like a privileged mentality. And I think that, uh, one thing that I've been saying recently is that privilege is a type of ignorance. And I think that is just that thing played out and we will get there. Yeah. Perhaps the most important thing, the ordinary citizen and above all the leader of ordinary citizens has to remember in political life is that he must not be a sheer doctrinaire. The closest philosopher, the refined and cultured individual whom from his library tells how tells how men ought to be governed under ideal conditions is of no use in actual government work. And the one sided fanatic and still more the mob leader and the insincere man who to achieve power promises what by no possibility can be performed are not merely useless but noxious. Or we would say toxic in today's society. But again, you know, I felt a little bit of a, a pinch when I read that because, uh, again, we doing the podcast is some type of like amateurish philosophizing sometimes on our end, and you know we can't sit here and just tell others how to do things. You know, we have to ourselves act and and kind of carry out what we're what we're saying that we're doing. I think we are to some extent, but. I mean, in my opinion, there's definitely more improvement there, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, I, I'm pretty like, I would say I've had issues with it. So that's what I would say. And that's as far as I would take it. But I think here recently, um, I don't want to get too much in this other conversation, but I think it, it, it does go back to your ability to manage emotions mm. and I'll, I'll just leave it there. I think if you really learn to do that, you do start to accept more responsibility. But another thing that I wanted to speak on, um, was the, uh, you said you felt a pinch. I felt a pinch in a different way because I think that some people could hear that and say, well, what about healthcare? What about, or what about universal healthcare? What about, a robust education system. What about um, a very strong safety net 
uh, in terms of uh, welfare programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would say um, that some of those things aren't really possible. And so we should, and so Roosevelt here might say, well, we shouldn't do them. Like, so for instance, you might hear politicians that if you've heard us long enough, you, you might gauge our, our, um, where we're at mentally when it comes to politics. And you might say, well, what about, aren't your politicians promising you things too? Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I just, I, all I gotta say is I think that's a fair point and that we could talk about it more. Um, but don't think that that was lost on me, that that could Mm -hmm. also apply that any of this could also apply to us. All right. I think we're going to get to the part that you're interested here. Uh, this is, so just bear with me if you're listening still, uh, this will be fairly lengthy. Um, and this is Teddy Roosevelt talking. I'm a strong individualist by personal habit, inheritance and conviction, but it is a mere matter of common sense to recognize that the state the community, the citizens acting together can do a number of things better than if they were left to individual action. The individualism which finds its expression in the abuse of physical force is checked very early in the growth of civilization, and we of today should in our turn strive to shackle or destroy that individualism which triumphs by greed and cunning, which exploits the weak by craft instead of ruling them by brutality. We ought to go with any man in the effort to bring about justice and the equality of opportunity to turn the tool user more and more into the tool owner, to shift burdens so that they can be more equitably born. The deadening effect on any race of the adoption of a logical and extreme socialistic system could not be overstated. It would spell sheer destruction. It would produce grosser wrong and outrage fouler immortality than any existing system but this does not mean that we may not with great advantage adopt certain of the principles professed by some set of men who happen to call themselves socialists yeah i I, just for clarity i'm still reading teddy roosevelt this is not (laughs) bernie sanders this is (laughs) and some of these things need to be repeated too Uh, so when we get to the end i want to we'll we'll go go back. back yeah if you want me to read read it again beyond anyone else the citizens of a republic should be should beware that, and that is of the man who appeals to them to support him on the ground that he is hostile to other citizens of the Republic, that he will secure for those who elect him in one shape or another profit at the expense of other citizens of the Republic. Beautiful. It makes, yeah, this just makes me go full America when I read this. It makes no difference whether he appeals to class hatred or class interest to religious or anti-religious prejudice, the man who makes such an appeal should always be presumed to make it for the sake of furthering his own interest. The very last thing an intelligent and self-respecting member of a democratic community should do is to reward any public man because that public man says that he will get the private citizen something to which the private citizen is not entitled or will gratify some emotion or animosity which this private citizen ought not to possess of weakness on our part. Okay. So just really quick. There's a uh, lot in that. Yeah, yeah. Just really quick. Um uh, I think that's something that we're going to have to and keeping in mind this is an open conversation so if you disagree then great reach out if not then I'm going to talk like 
like I really know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So just just keep that in mind, right? If you think that I'm wrong, then you have to talk to me. Otherwise, I will go about my days acting like I am just as right uh, up until I'm challenged. And then that's a different conversation. But when we're talking about, because I think some people, again, can hear those words and they're like, well, what about taxing people to give people, let's say, mm-hmm. better health care? Mm-hmm. Right. And they listen to that and they say, well, healthcare is a, is a privilege. It's not a right. And therefore you shouldn't, you shouldn't offer people something like universal healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right. And the reality here, this is the reality in my head. Now, again, I'm more than willing to have a conversation. Okay. But, um, privilege and rights. All right. And, and I, and I am, and I know that some of the, the, um, some very great people would agree with this uh, is um, is subjective and we had to come up with those terms right like we had to decide what is a right and what is a privilege right and mm-hmm. we did it along very legalistic lines but that doesn't mean that they don't have specific context so for me when we're talking about uh, offering something to somebody um, and whether or not that offering is and uh, a re-contextualizing uh, of that thing from a privilege to a right. So, for instance, healthcare. Okay, as far as I understand, I, I could be wrong about this, but there was there a healthcare system in the 17 or 1800s. I'm gonna say I doubt it. Doubt it, right? So I could be, it. could be, right? So let's just recognize that right off the bat is that we are dealing with a different time and different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, to me. And this is where, again, if if you disagree with me, then this is where I'm going to fight you, essentially. And it is, if you want to tell me that it's, that um, it is not necessarily a privilege, I will listen to you and talk to you. Mm. If you want to tell me 100% it isn't a privilege and you're right and you don't care what I think, then guess what I think about you, right? So now I'm willing to have the conversation. If you're not willing to have the conversation, then to me... I think we can pull out a lot of these lines here. They're going to talk to your integrity mm-hmm. and your morality. And that, that is just the way I feel for now. Um, just one other thing. Can, can I get that real yeah. quick? Because there's just, there is one thing in here that just always just kind of like gets me, gets me in the feels. Or I think it's just dead on. Um, what the repeals? Let's see. Let's see. Um, while you're looking for that, yeah, um, you know, keep in mind, you know, for those again who are listening, is that as Teddy Roosevelt as president, you know, more and more people are, are are leaving more individualistic lifestyles, leaving the farms that they're living on, moving into these major, you know, industrial and urbanized areas. Society is becoming more complex, and he's saying, yeah, it might it in other parts of the speech that we're not gonna we're not we don't get into. On this podcast, he's saying that, you know, um, we're, we're, we're leaving the villages, moving into these cities, and we have to come up with more collective ways to solve some of our problems. It's not enough to handle everything on your own anymore. We need we need systems that are available to everyone. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and so, uh, and that's why we, we keep going back to this. But I'm going to read this line just one more yeah. time. No, go for it. The individualism... Uh, which finds its expression in our turn uh, strive to shackle okay hold on 
<laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back and edit that because I already read wrong. Uh, the individualism, which finds its expression in the abuse of physical force, is checked very early in the growth of civilization. And we of today should, in our turn, strive to shackle or destroy that individualism. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the guy who many people look at and say that dude is conservative minded. He's all about the individual. Yeah. Sitting here telling you there is a type of individualism that you need to destroy because yeah. it's poisonous. And, and we're talking about the kind of individualism where Which you triumphs. isolate, where you I- isolate and say, I'm not part of society. Absolutely. Like what I have is mine. Um, what you do is what you do. Um and we're there. There will be no cooperation. Right, right. And what does that look like in terms of moral words? Right. He's saying which triumphs by greed and cunning, which exploits the weak by craft instead of ruling mm-hmm. them by brutality. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, you know, it's right there. It's saying that an individualism that is greedy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, look at our economic system right now. There is no doubt that this is what's going on. You know by greed and cunning right they're they're greedy they want more and they they care less what other people have mm-hmm. uh, and this isn't uh, this is a generalization obviously i don't think that there aren't rich people or wealthy people or successful people however and those I mean, aren't the ones that we're talking about successful. those aren't the ones we're talking exactly about. right we're just saying that we see some of this and we that's the part we need to check and i like that word cunning because when you look at and this is uh, something that i've reiterated multiple times which is Money is power. There's no getting around that. It's something we need to accept that seems to be hard for people to accept, right? The more of it you have, the more power you have, the more power you have over other people. So if you're completely fine with somebody else having an unfettered amount of power, you're asking to be dominated. I don't know how else to say it. Like Mm -hmm. you are asking for somebody to rule you. And Mm -hmm. like, and I know that people don't want that. They're just not thinking about it. But that word cunning, if you go and you look at, what a lot of powerful rich people do in our legal system to benefit themselves, it can't be described by any other word than cunning to me. That is like spot on, um, which exploits the weak by craft. So I'll, I'll, I'll just go to this next line too, because I love it as well. We ought to go with any man in the effort to bring about justice and the equality of opportunity to turn the tool user more and more into the tool owner. Who does yeah. that sound like, right? Yeah. Now, and again, this is not to support communism or socialism in a full full disclosure. I am not currently a communist <laughs> or socialist, okay? Um, <laughs> if you become a communist, <laughs> our podcasting relationship... In, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but my <laughs> point is to, again, mirror... What he is saying here, right here, when he says, uh, you know, but this does not mean that we may not with great advantage adopt certain of the principles professed by some given set of men who happen to call themselves socialists. Like that is, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. And this is something that I see all the time and it's gotten under my skin and I am sure I have also contributed it to some point. So this is, I don't want to be too haughty here. I'm sure that I'm implicated. I was implicated in this on some level, but Mm -hmm. we have to stop being afraid of words and Mm -hmm. labels. I am more concerned about how I can use your ideas than just putting it in this box and corner where I can't even look at it. Why would you do that? Right. I'm not saying, I'm not saying completely adopt socialism. I'm not saying completely adopt op, um, capitalism or yeah, socialism, capitalism or communism. Right. I'm saying, why are we having this conversation about whether to completely adopt these things and asking how they can be useful to reach 
the goals that we really want, which I think is the betterment of yeah. humanity, which yeah. again, he goes into. Yeah. And, and again, the reason that I'm using Teddy Roosevelt's words is, you know, if, again, if someone talks about socialistic ideas, you know, and it comes from the mouth of say Bernie Sanders or someone, yep. it, it scares people because there's a, there's a fear that like, well, if he actually was in power, he would subvert, um, the the way our our society functions to a way that would destroy the good things that we still have we have a lot our country is not perfect but there is a lot to lose i mean because we do have a lot of good things and so the idea of radical change is really scary yeah but um you know uh, teddy roosevelt is talking about a tempered you know way of of working with society to look out for everyone the week uplift you know again so, so taking the tool user and making it the him the him or her the tool owner yes that goes back to the very first part of the speech where it's talking about we're, we're raising up the average citizen we're keeping mm-hmm. the standard of the average citizen high and so if these people are educated they know how to they not only know how to use the tools but they command the tools um, yeah. And this does, again, harken back to the idea, and again, not full-blown communist or socialist, but you want the, you do want the individual, you want the, ha- you want the worker to have some control over the business. I don't think we want full control, at least I would have to hear that argument, but to say that the worker just shouldn't have power in that system, or that th- their power is insignificant, or that wanting that power to be insignificant because of weird notions of hard work and all these other things... Um, is is uh, detrimental. I mean, it just seems mm-hmm. harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, uh, so there's that. Um, I you know, and and to me, it's it's really important that again. So so as he's sitting here talking, we're talking about Bernie Sanders now. We're talking about um, not just Bernie Sanders. We're talking about a lot of new, younger, up and coming politicians that do have more socialistic ideas right they don't Mm. hate capitalism they don't want to get rid of capitalism but they are like i think they're just in the same boat i am which is like how can i use this like i'm more interested in the tools i don't care what you want to label things it's just like you can be scared as a of a hammer because you just watched it bash somebody's skull in but you need hammers sometimes Mm. Mm. and if you fixate too much on the fact that it's a hammer you're just not going to be a good carpenter. Like, yeah. That's the reality. And you're and, not going to be as good at the thing as you could have been. Yeah. And again, Roosevelt, he's making a moral argument here. Um, he, he, he's saying that it is morally right and, and justified to look out for the, the common man. That's what we should be doing. So if you're afraid of socialized medicine, you don't have to give uh, the federal government all the power in terms of, you know, health care. You know, yeah. maybe there is a way of privatizing it that is, it is, you know, morally justifiable. Right now, that's that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but you can be creative with your solutions if you're, you're getting more involved um, in the governmental process. You have more control over it. Yes. I mean, it just makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we we need to acknowledge our again. I think we're I think we're actually back to that place where we were talking about how it's a burden and it is a responsibility, but it's also a tool mm-hmm. and it's a very strong tool. 
you know so it's just like it's like having a hammer can be a burden and responsibility because you Mm -hmm. have to have places for it or you know it's going to take muscle to use right but if you just don't use a hammer like and and i do want to speak to people's pride and and to their um fear a little bit because we were talking about socialism um and we're talking about um the fact that people tend to want to view themselves positively right I don't personally see how you can view yourself positively if you are so afraid of a word that you won't even consider propositions of it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, I don't currently happen to be a communist or a socialist, okay? I would consider myself, this is for me, I would consider myself mentally weak if I couldn't talk to a communist and socialist and be like... I will hear you out. Let's see what's going on there. Make your argument. Mm -hmm. Because I would have to be convinced that I could be convinced of something. Like, what would be the danger, right? I would have to be convinced that they could legitimately convince me illegitimately, which I would have to be mentally weak to do, Mm -hmm. right? So it's it's, it's a strange mentality to have if you think you're a strong person, but you are so afraid of these words that you won't even engage with them and consider them and think about them critically, I guess is my point. This next passage from his speech, I wanted to see how you respond to this, unless there's more that you wanted to say in relation to. Okay. Experience teaches us that the average man who protests that his international feelings swamps his national feeling, that he does not care for his country because he cares so much for mankind— in actual practice proves himself to be the foe of mankind, that the man who says that he does not care to be a citizen of any one country because he is a citizen of the world is in fact usually an exceedingly undesirable citizen of whatever corner of the world he happens to be, uh, at the moment happens to be in. Um... I long may you carry yourselves proudly as a citizen of a nation which bears a leading part in teaching and uplifting of mankind. I hear echoes of John Lennon, mm. uh, the the opposite mentality yeah, of John yeah. Lennon here. I'm, but I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing the piano and the Imagine song right now, and I I I kept that passage in there because I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, and I think that uh, yeah, that's that's great. Um, and this is where I'm going to differ with a lot of liberals. This is what I said. Like, mm-hmm. this is probably going to ruffle some feathers, you know, which is great. This was the part you were talking about? Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, well, no, this wasn't the only part. There's, I think this All thing of is it. full of, yes, ruffled feathers. I think if you hate socialists, you're going to you're gonna flip out about what we're talking about. And if you yeah. are just this... Un- Especially just, since you've said you're not a communist, like, yes. 15 times, you're really making people nervous yeah. by having to say that so much. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I don't want to say it. like you can talk to me. Uh, that's that's all I can yeah. offer you in in terms of pacifying your emotions around it. But, um, uh, I think that the it's just like when people ask like why, well, why don't you just leave or or they express wanting to leave this place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 um, I don't get at all the first one, the the why don't you just leave because this is usually said by like hardcore quote unquote patriotic Americans. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like, is that what you believe that when this thing stops working for you, that you leave it? Is that what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't believe that. Right. If you believe that, then you should leave when you don't like it. That's not my mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. My mentality is, and it, it will remain this. And this is why I agree with him on this. This is why I agree with him because, um, 
I think there's an issue with postmodernism here. That's the first thing. I think postmodernism is a great philosophy. I think that reading it in context by scholars, you start to understand it and um, it it makes sense. Unfortunately, it's distorted a lot or it's misunderstood and misspeaks do happen around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so what you end up getting is this just um, no, any type of nationalism is bad. It all has to be globalization. And even to the point where I'm just like, Okay, but I didn't hear you say anything about the well-being of humans or humanity in that conversation. And that mm. puts me off because my position is always going to be, how does it help us? And I think right now, you know, the reason that I wouldn't want to leave this place, the reason that I'm even hesitant to leave Ohio, um, and the reason that I, I, I'm hesitant to ever leave the United States is because I think we have so much potential. I think we have so much potential um, we just, we, um, as a nation did really bad things in the past and that scares us, which rightly it should, cause we did very wrong things and we need to be on the lookout for that. But I'm not personally, and I, again, this is where I'm more than willing to have a conversation with anybody. I'm not personally buying into this whole, like there is no morality. There is no mm. right or wrong. Uh, how dare you look at another culture and say, I don't think that's right. I don't care. I'm going to do it. My arguments rely on the well-being of humans if i'm looking at a group of people and i can tell some aspects of their culture are bad are leading to a lessening of well-being Mm -hmm. in those Mm -hmm. people i am going to say it's wrong i don't care and it's the same thing with my own right i've also looked at my own culture and myself and done that same thing so i'm not going to feel bad about doing it somebody it's a it's a matter of being brave and being critical Mm -hmm. and not letting just somebody roll over your mind with with babble with just no postmodernism and morality doesn't exist therefore i'm right or something like i'm not sure how you that seems to be the point that they're making so there's a passage here that i have so this is from the american interest uh magazine uh and the article is entitled on citizenship by gerhard casper and stephen krasner but uh, in, in this passage they say a state whose citizens do not emotionally respond to their national anthem is at risk Hmm. And the reason I, I, I'm just raising that little sentence in their article is because when Teddy Roosevelt is talking about taking seriously your national identity, I think it's an expanded version of keeping your own house in order, right? Yeah. So it's like we have these very clearly defined boundaries. And in these boundaries, we can instill certain values, cultural norms, and um, traits of you know, societal importance. And then we can use those values to, uh, if they're positive, let's, let's assume that they're positive values. You can export those to the other global citizens in the world. Um, yeah. and, you, and, you can, and you can offer them yes. to other cultures, yeah. right? So we were messed up on the imperialistic mindset yeah. or the, or the uh, yeah, yeah, we were messed up on that mindset, but that doesn't mean that our values aren't good or don't mean anything and that we shouldn't try to offer them. To mm. people mm. Uh, hopefully we agree that we should if they're going to help period you know assuming that we're living up to the myths that oh, we tell yeah. about ourselves or oh, you yeah. know again goes back to our our, our our conversation where we talked about patriotism versus you know humanistic ideas and, yeah. and, and and where the balance is in that so we're not talking about again we're not talking about blind patriotism you know i'm just american for american you 
Go ahead. Well, I, I also, sorry. No, go ahead. Because I also like that quote that you, you gave there because, uh, and I could be wrong about this in, in a different context. It could mean exactly what most people will probably think it means, but it doesn't say if you rally around and cheer at, at the, you know, the national anthem, it says if yes. you respond, if yes. there's no response to it, right? I love that. I love that particular use of the word there, response. It doesn't say positive or negative, right? I think, but I think that you should be mm, interested what, enough. Yeah, you should be interested enough in where you live to think yeah. critically about it. If you and, and I do, I, I care enough about the place that I was born in to criticize it to the extent that I think will help it, and to support it in the areas where I think it will help it. Mm. Period. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting too. Uh, I want to transition just, or go. did you want? No, yeah. go, go, go. Yeah, because we didn't get into, there was another aspect here. We were talking about socialism, and I did want to just take the time because it's a scary word for people uh, just to, and I've done it before, but just kind of read or, or kind of uh, give some of the definitions here so we're clear uh, about the different perspectives on this word because they're not all the same. And I know people's emotions at first, no matter what I say, are going to be that they're going to be emotional. Um, but just as a matter of definition and just a matter, uh, just as a matter of history, if you talk to historians and you say all socialism is the same, you're going to get a puzzled look on their face is what I'm telling you. And and if you speak too long, they're going to start treating you like you're stupid. That's mm-hmm. just what I mm-hmm. like. That's just what's going to happen because they are separate. Okay. Um, they're intertwined in some ways, but I, I think it's great to read these definitions and then also think about what we were just talking about here, what Teddy Roosevelt was saying. So this is socialism. Any this is a uh, definition? Yes, this is the definition of socialism only. Um, any of the various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. Okay, so oh, and then a system of society or group living in which there is no private property, right? So now which political candidates are advocating for that? Do you know of any? I don't know of any either. No. A system or condition of society in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. Do you know anybody that's advocating for that? Beyond, uh, you know, social, beyond the health care exactly. issue. Um, I'm not sure. Right, right. So not in, to- in not in totality or in whole. Co- yeah, Theories advocating collective or governmental ownership, right? Mm-hmm. This is not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about aspects. Let's go to democratic socialism, which is also different from social democracy. Democratic socialism, a political movement advocating a gradual and peaceful transition from capitalism to socialism by democratic means. And okay. Yeah. So again, a political movement advocating a gradual and peaceful transition from capitalism to socialism by democratic means. Good luck with peaceful. Yeah. And I also don't know, like, I'm still talking to people about this and trying to see what their side is um, because it could be very well, one day it could very well make more sense to be completely communist or socialist. I just don't feel like that's right now. And that's always my issue with it, right? So if you're talking about gradual and you're talking about peaceful, uh, then and it is better for us for whatever contextual reasons to be socialist or communist, then I'm on board. But that argument hasn't been made yet. But social democracy is kind of more where I'm at. And that is the it's a democratic welfare state that incorporates both capitalist and socialist practices. Like, that's it. That's that's social democracy. That is what most northern European countries are. Mm-hmm. 
and it is very clearly not advocating for the overthrow or replacement of a capitalist system. It is, again, what I think this speech has been saying and we've been saying throughout, which is essentially to what capacity do these concepts help us? Mm-hmm. As a, and it's as simple as that, right? Um, and I, uh, as a final point for me on this podcast, I just want to go back to, again, the idea that I think America has a lot of potential. Um, and I think that um, he is just very well, regardless of what you think of him or anything else. He's 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 saying some very important things here that have to do with um, e- meeting, I think, the end goal that most of us have, hopefully that a lot of us have of creating a more humanistic world. Right. Um, and if your response to anything is, Oh, well that's socialist or that's Democrat, or that is, that's, that's patriotism or jingoism, right? If that's just your flat out response, no other critical nuances or anything. Um, then in that process, I didn't hear you say anything about humanism. Mm -hmm. And I just heard somebody, no matter what you think of him, talk about like, hey, this is my mm. end goal. So mm. that's who I'm siding with for now. Yeah. And and again, the, the reason I wanted to introduce Teddy Roosevelt uh, through his speech with some of these ideas that we're talking about is because I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a scenario where, you know, you pull him out of history, transport him to a podium you know, in some, you know, rural Kentucky town where he's going to speak and make a pitch. That's good. And he's talking about these things. And uh, people people would have been enamored by Teddy Roosevelt because of the things he's done for our country. I mean, again, he's fought for our country. He he tried to do things like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, break up these break up major corporations at the time. Mm. They were creating monopoli- monopolies in society. And, and making making life difficult for people. Um, again, not a perfect figure, but he's the kind of figure that if he were, were, you know, today, you know, in 2020 instead of 1910, on a podium in some rural town in Kentucky or Tennessee or Mississippi, and he were saying these things, I think people um, would be open to, to understanding what he's saying and open to hearing what he's saying but there, but there's a there's some problem now where we don't have that kind of figure uh the kind of teddy roosevelt figure that is saying these things now um and maybe they're out there right now maybe they but just haven't but, but there's the, no the one there's no one there's no one out there that is that is affecting these opinions in a way that are letting people adopt them in a way that yeah. feels uh, comfortable that they're not betraying their patriotism their allegiance to the country a lot of people feel they adopt some of these ideas and again we're not talking about full-on you know the government taking ownership of everything no no I definitely don't want that I know you don't um, that's that's insane yeah and and, and Teddy Roosevelt says that but um, you know the him, him saying these words, I think, adds adds value to some of these ideas that we've really been arguing about in modern society right now, which is why I wanted to share them with people. I think this is a fantastic speech. It's one of my favorite speeches a president's ever gave, I think. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's really appropriate for the time and also uh, the fact that we're all voting now. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's that voting time in our state, so... 
uh, hope I'm just hope it, it gets through to some people just to the point where they do something. But I guess for, um, for me, another important point, and that's why at the beginning I was asking like, you know, what's significant, you know, why did you choose this person? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was because he's, he's not a person you would consider unpatriotic. He's also not a person you would ever consider weak. He's strong right. and he's still saying these things. He's still saying he wouldn't be a person today. I don't get from what we just read that would be like, oh, socialism. I'm scared. Nobody's of calling it. him a soy boy. Exactly. <laughs> you, you would not want to do that, right? Yeah. Like, because he would challenge you in a way yeah. that you would yeah. not expect, right? So, um, and we understand that that is, I mean, that's, that's something that's unfortunately being associated with certain people that talk about socialism at all. Yeah, there's a form of, of weakness in their personal character or something. There's an assumption that, and from some people, from some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and he so, can't be accused of that. Right. Which is the important part, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is the important part. Uh, and again, it takes more mental strength to be able to look at something critically, and by critical I mean the academic version, which is to look at the pros and cons, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just disregard something in whole. That's a weak position, and that's why you're not hearing this very strong person say anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not he like we we today are afraid of those words. He wasn't afraid of those words. So you know, I, I hope that can speak to the pride of some people um, who think that they're courageous. Um, and, and maybe challenge that a little bit that maybe you're not as courageous as you thought you were because words scare you and mm-hmm. that should, that should challenge your notion of yourself as a, as the, as strong as you thought you were, I guess. I wish I would have done a little bit more due, due diligence here. Cause again, he gave the speech in France. Um, well, I'm interested to, now I'm gonna have to do some more research to see how often he talked about socialistic ideas to the American public. Mm. Cause this was in France. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd be interested to see what the response back then was in terms of those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And that, that would be a fair rebuttal to the things we've Hmm. been talking about Hmm. is I think some, some fair rebuttals would be, I don't know exactly. Uh, we, we know some communist regimes, uh, weren't around, hadn't happened when Roosevelt was around. So some people might say, um, well, he couldn't see the full destructive nature of socialism or communism. Do you feel like that might be a something that people would say? Maybe. And, um, uh, because he... Uh, we're close. 1910, we're close right. to the Russian Revolution, though. Right, so some. So. That's why I said, right, exactly. That's kind of the point. It's just like, it's not like he didn't see it at all, yeah. right? Um, it's and he, and he obviously saw the issues with it. So again, mm-hmm. he's being a critical mm-hmm. person in like the intelligent sense, you know, he's being critical as in seeing the pros and cons of something and thinking about how it applies to what's going on here and how to utilize it. Right. Which people aren't really doing nowadays. Um, and again, you got a guy like Trump who is very recently or very soon. Well, you have a person like Trump that if somebody like Bernie would have gotten into the, uh, would have had the nomination, you would have heard socialist every 10 seconds. You know what I mean? And again, that is speaking to the fear of people, not the intelligence of people, not the critical responses of people, not the bravery of mm. people, right? Don't let Trump speak to your fear. Don't let that happen. That is mental weakness. You know what I mean? At least in my opinion, maybe, maybe you have a different one, but, um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think there is justification to ask, you know, if, if someone has, you don't call them radical ideas, whatever, 
uh, we're talking about Bernie Sanders. So the yeah. fear, I think, I think one of the main fears for people who are not uh, su- supporters of Sanders is that what would he really do if he had the power to change things the way that he would really want to? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I don't think I don't think his response would be malicious. But I know, you know, for example, uh, you often hear, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to go down too far down this road, but. You'll hear things like uh, Democrats, you know, some Democrats might make the argument when it comes to gun rights, they'll say like, we're not really going to take all your guns. Yeah. And that's a, but that's a legitimate fear that people have on, on the right who are second amendment supporters. Well, it's like when I, okay, well, I can immediately cite you, you know, quotes from people like Dianne Feinstein who said, Mm. if I was in power, I would take all of your guns. You know, it's Mm. like, so. You know, they hear things like that, and the, and the assumption is like, okay, well, what's the underlying, ah. what's the underbelly of this philosophy here? And so that scares people away from people like Sanders. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. There, there is some legitimacy to to having fear of socialistic principles getting out of hand, because yeah. the idea is like, once, how often do we see the government let go of something once they have it? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't very often happen that the federal government will push down um, power back down to the state or local level. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but that also goes back into, I think, the conversation we're having, which is how how loose do you imagine your, your grasp or your power mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to change and effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, I always think about this too. Like, I have concerns about, I mean, now we're just being open about this stuff. So whatever, right? Like I, I'm, I, I advocate on behalf of Sanders at this point. Um, I still have reservations about him. Right. Uh, and I have specifically seen and heard things that, um, make me feel uneasy when I am talking to supporters of Sanders. Okay. But my response is not weakness. It's not to be afraid. It's like, okay, I will use Sanders to the extent that I think that he's going to do well. And the second that I see it going any other direction, I'm fighting again. Like, mm-hmm. like, what is your mentality? Is it weakness or is it strength? Because if it's strength, then you can use things as tools to the capacity that they do and trust in your ability to fight mm-hmm. them when you need to. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you won't, right? So I guess that would be my perspective on it. And hopefully uh, some people that felt differently might start to see that side of it and maybe start to adopt that mentality as well. Cause I do think that's a mentality of strength. Uh, whereas the other one just to me is not a mentality of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there was that. I, uh, I'm going to read one final thing here just cause I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, and it's by John Dewey and I just like John Dewey. So, uh, I just wanted to throw him in here at some point. But. Who's John Dewey? So he is, uh, he's like the, he's the, how do I describe him? I mean, he's just a smart dude, first mm-hmm. of all, right? Uh, but he was uh, heavily interested in um, education mm-hmm. and the education system and what that could do for us. That's what he's known for. He's like the father of education, if you will. Okay. Uh, so that's where he speaks from. And, um, he has a lot of ideas that, that if you ever read him, you'll be like, man, why aren't we doing this day type stuff? He's like that type of dude that was just Mm -hmm. so far ahead of everybody else that he sounds foreign when you're listening to listening to him, even though it makes perfect sense. And then you're wondering why you're not living in that world. So very strange, but so he has some things to say about all this and that is responsibility 
for the conduct of society and government rests on every member of society. Therefore, everyone must receive a training that will enable him to meet this responsibility, giving him just ideas of the condition and needs of the people collectively and developing those qualities which will ensure his doing a fair share of the work of government, right? Yeah, and that again, that goes back to main, keeping the standard of the average citizen high to keep the nation great. Um, and so, you know, again, we're going to we're going to take this from the abstract and, and make it more specific here. It's like, OK, well, um, you as a, as a local citizen should be paying attention to, you know, if you want your 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 people in your society to get the training education that they need to be responsible citizens, you should be paying attention to to who's getting elected to your school board. Oh, yeah. What are what are their ideas? How do they want to shape the education and the community? that you live in what do they value um and and maybe we should talk about well well if you have anything to say to that say to that first and i'll, and I'll bring some a secondary factor i don't think first. initially no okay well something that we've talked about offline is the idea of how okay we we talk about all the time on this podcast how your greatest influence lies at the local level that's where you can affect the most change but we also found um, that it's that is also the most difficult place to get information about the people that oh yeah um, are representing you whether whether they're people on the school board city council you know running for other local um, positions mm. it's like you you know I can go to Wikipedia and find out everything I need or or other random web like Ballotpedia or whatever find out about uh, you know some federal politician or or federal leader. Yep. You can get a lot of information about them, but um, when local people are running, it's hard to really get solid information about them. And so, you know, maybe we should explore solutions to that. I think so. But, yeah, and I think that to, there's two. I can kind of speak to the entirety of what you're saying because one is I think John Dewey's going to say education is one, mm-hmm. but that is this weird conundrum where it's just like we need the individual to take responsibility, but individuals don't usually want to take responsibility if they're not well educated so you get in this you're in a loophole yeah yeah, you're in some weird weird loop but i think the other thing and this is where people also tend to get afraid which again i understand and we need to think about it critically but funding i think that a lot of it does have to do with funding i think the reason that i'm not seeing like when i was trying to vote it's just so frustrating like it's so much easier when i'm going to vote for the president or anybody else when we're Mm -hmm. talking about local stuff I have I I know who maybe one person is and the rest of them they, there's no information on them or I got to like do some pretty heavy heavy digging to get to anything that to, I I'm going to just be honest I didn't even get to a point with some of these candidates that like I don't feel like I wasn't just essentially making a random decision and that's unfortunate to say but it's the truth I don't know if I made the right decision or not uh maybe I should have just made no decision at that point but at some and I did do research. I spent like we spent all day trying to figure out what we we're doing before going to the polls, and we got there, and we're still like because you were struggling to find information yes. at the local level about some of your local candidates. Yeah, it was that some of these were yeah. almost not all of them. Some of them we could find the information, and it was okay. But there were too many instances where it felt like a crapshoot that mm. I was pushing a button mm. and flipping a coin. That's that can't be right. And mm-hmm. I think that, again, it has to do with funding. I can tell that the people who don't have information, 
they're not as well known naturally. They don't have any funding to put themselves out there. Uh, so it's really only going to be the people who are deeply embedded in it already, which isn't going to really help people get involved at a local level right. if they feel like everybody that's even at the local level is above them and, and it has no is is disconnected from them essentially i saw and i did this i saw somebody who was running regular and i did see somebody that had more credentials than him and i chose him just because i was just like this he he just and and again i don't know if it was the right option so i'm not going to say that it was but it was just like this is a guy who's trying to get into politics and he had he of course just like you would expect he was being idealistic right and, and talking, speaking to the humanity of people rather than the this, the particular issues, right? And obviously, you want somebody that does both, right? Right. But we need to get to a place with there where there is more of that the person like that guy mm-hmm. that he, he he knows. Okay, I'm just getting started in this thing, and I don't have all the credentials and points, but here's what I can speak to. Um, because you, you, it's again, we're in that loophole where it's just like. You can't get your foot in the door if every time you try to, they ask you where else you got your foot in the door at, because mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. it's it's a weird thing that we need to, we need to get past. So maybe that wasn't the right decision, and I shouldn't have just taken that chance like that. Um, but I was trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I guess is the only thing I could say. Yeah, and it sounds like we need to look for solutions to make it easier to find out information about local candidates. But again, you know, back to personal responsibility. It's the onus is. If that doesn't, if that apparatus doesn't exist, the onus is on you to go seek out that information. And now that you're but, saying um, that, I think that they're intertwined. I think that the, it's very evident to me now that the reason that they're, I mean, if people wanted the information, it would be there, right? If the average person wanted, if they were demanding it. Yes, yeah. if they were like, I want to know who all these candidates are. I want all their all. I want them to explicitly be explaining their platforms. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, I want this to happen. It would happen. Yeah, and so there's again going back to education. You know, uh, failure in one part of our system is that civic engagement is not taught at the local level. We're not taught how local politics work, and so you know people don't even realize that an election is often coming up until it's like, oh shoot, I'm supposed to vote this week, and th- then like the one they're nervous. To, Am I even registered? Because I haven't checked in you know however long. Um, and then, so at that point you don't have time to go and say, Hey, we need more information. You don't have time to go to the board of elections and say, we need more information on these candidates. Um, cause we don't have any, you have to do those things well in advance. Yeah. Um, and, and even, even then you should get involved before people are even, uh, like going to be represented by a political party to run. You should be involved way before that because you want to help choose the people who are going to run as best as you can. I mean, anybody can run after they acquire a certain amount of signatures or whatever for the most part. But, um, you know, when, when we talk about taking on the title of citizen and the responsibilities that come with that, it is not just about casting a vote. There are other aspects to that uh, that go into citizenship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was... The, a point that I used to make a while back, even though it was an incorrect point that I made, which was I, w- I used to not vote and my um, how I kind of absolve myself of that responsibility mm-hmm. was, well, there's other ways to get involved in politics, right? 
there's you can protest you can advocate and you can go to a town hall meeting there's lots of ways to do this thing and voting is just one now i also didn't do those other things so that's where i'm saying yeah. and I, I think it also spoke to my mentality that's the things i think they're intertwined you know mm-hmm. um it, it, i i get that it's difficult and the the two people that are sitting here on this microphone are not people who don't have other responsibilities we do some people have some pretty heavy responsibilities out there and i think it it is so we want everybody like you were speaking to earlier about like if you're the only one doing that thing that's a bad thing mm-hmm. right um but i think the reality is some people because of their positions can adopt more responsibility and they yeah. should, and they should suck it up and do it but in order to because if they don't do it you can help other people take that burden away from you mm-hmm. by getting mm-hmm. them into a position where they can. So don't take the opposite and, and just retreat yourself. And so to be clear to the audience, my, my argument is not that like, Oh, I'm so busy. So I can't participate in no, no. government because my argument, the, one of the whole point points of me doing this podcast is my argument that it is that your participation in government and in society should be a part of you prioritizing the responsibilities that you have as an individual it should not be at the bottom of the list. It should be towards the top. Um, I think that that is something that should be ingrained in students at a young age, that yeah. this is part of being a responsible citizen. It's something that you should do in your community. You know, I'm not telling you to, I'm not saying run for office or anything like that, uh, but you need to pay attention who's in the leadership. Yeah. You need to understand the issues that are going on in the local area. You need to be attending local meetings. Um, those factors should be implemented in, in, in the things that you have to do in life. I think that that, I think that it's that important. Yeah. And I do think that another thing, if you are the type of person who understands all this already, and you are the type of person who has decided to take responsibility and and do what you can, um, to make sure that you're actively engaging. Um, I, I also think we have to get in a position, we have to be even braver and start being conflictual as as strange as that sounds or as as much as that might cause fear in some of us or trepidation i think there needs to be a i think if there was a public shaming of that mentality there would be less of it so education is great as well but we as a people need to look down on people who don't feel that responsibility because they need to understand that it's wrong you know what i mean we need to help them too Right. But if they just don't think it's right, they're being prideful about it. We need to have a view as a people of that's not what we do here. Mm. That's not how things work here. Right. Mm. Um, And some social isolation, you know, some like like you're messing things up for us. Like putting them in the the town stocks and throwing like tomatoes in the <laughs> No, house? no, no. No, just, you know, like a, a firm finger wag is what I'm, you know, just like a shame on you, you know, like that type I of... I didn't see you at last week's meeting. What happened? Uh, I don't know. I don't Where know. were you at? You should have been there. That well, kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, maybe. But no, no, it is. No, no, I don't think. I think at some point it gets too heavy. I mean... I know these people. I know when I'm thinking, I, I can I could name them if I wanted to. People that I know don't feel responsible for politics, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's not a matter of like, why didn't you go vote? It's a matter of like, you won't even bring up the fact that you don't vote because you know that too many people are just going to look at you negatively. 
Mm-hmm. And so you either shut up about it so that way you're not telling other people not to do it or you you figure out why you should. You you take the time to educate yourself about how important that thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, again, from a person, Jay will tell you, I used to be in this boat. So this is not something, I'm not speaking down to people from a position of like, I'm this great patriot that's always had a flag on my chest. And it's just like, no, I've been the person. So I know what mentality it is. You can't tell me it's not that mentality. I, I know what it is. I understand. It's frustration. It's a lot of things. I, I get it. Um, but there does come a point where you, you have to, for lack of a better way to say it, suck it up and do it anyway. It's it's tough. I get it, you know. Um, but, um, you know, forget it. I mean, we have the, the stock markets are going down. The coronavirus is becoming a bigger issue than anybody thought it was initially, right? These are political things. We're doing this podcast from an underground bunker right now. (laughs) (laughs) These are political things. These are political issues, period. So if we're going to start looking and talking about solutions to these things, they're going to come from a Mm. citizenry. And and guess what? These problems might go away. There's another bigger one right around the corner if we don't get it together now. That's the reality, at least in my head, you know, so... And uh, I don't know if it's getting better and worse. I don't know if that might be another question. Are people becoming more or less engaged in politics over time? Or is it about the same? Might be another one, too. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, neither do I. I just think it would be a good um, critical question. But, but the reason that I would say that my assumption is that there's less participation. That's the whole point of kind of doing this, the podcast that we're doing is because it's there there is a, a there is a failing of political leadership to do the things that we would like to see done which is why i so strongly advocate that people prioritize the things that we're talking about in this podcast to 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 inject into their their lives and like and participate in society this way is because that is that is the counterbalance to what is happening now which is there is there isn't a lot of response from the government to the ordinary citizen, and we're not putting leaders in place that are responsive or that have the the w- general well-being of people. Um, they're self-serving. They're they're interested in receiving you know large donations from self-interest groups and catering to them, regardless of their um, you know uh, their willingness to contribute to the general well-being. Yep. They care more about their careers. Um, and I think uh, as a final point for me, I, I guess I would like to end with, we've used a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> I know how articulate, right? Okay. Um, yes, you've used a lot of words. Uh, but responsibility, you know, um, burden, fear. Uh, so all these are in the mix. Um And I guess just from somebody who's been on the other side, I would like to say that I feel way better being on the side that I'm on now as opposed to where I was before. And that it might not... side is that? The side that recognizes their responsibility as a citizen Mm -hmm. and takes it seriously. Um, And it might be hard to see that when you're dealing with all those negative emotions around it. But once you settle those negative emotions and you take on that responsibility you feel great, you know? So, so there is, it's not like you don't get anything from it. You feel, I mean, why wouldn't you feel great? You feel great and not, and not just like the, I feel great sense. You feel great as in like, I have power sense. Mm. That's what I'm talking Empower about. Empower yourself. 
Yes, exactly. So um, that would be the trade-off. That's that's the best pitch I could possibly, if somebody would listen mm. to this for whatever reason to the end, if I was going to give you a final point from me about why you should get out there more, become more involved in politics, uh, it's going to be because you get a huge payoff from my perspective. Yeah. And why let someone else control your life when they don't care about it? Put yourself in, you know, in as much control as you can. So absolutely anything else i think that's it cool uh appreciate y'all taking the time to listen um if you have any thoughts feel free to reach out to us we are accessible so yeah a lot of a lot of different places so. yep. all right have a nice night